Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coronation.com, hosted at JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey uh, family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko with you each and every episode, and uh, uh, joining me once again, who, uh, whether he knows it or not, or whether he's ready to accept his role or not, but uh, it, perhaps uh, at least until basketball season, <laughs> my uh, my permanent temporary co-host uh, Haas Reuter. Haas, welcome uh, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's been a it's been an interesting week in uh, in Husker fandom. Yeah, uh, interesting, contentious. Um, basically, one you know part the state's burning down. You know. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that you say it. it's not funny, um, you know, because there are states out West that are, you know, burning and, and, yeah. uh, and they don't get the media attention. It's not, they're, they're not the, the pretty cities like Austin and Miami and, and, you know, they don't, you know, they get all the hurricane coverage. Uh, but you know, like Western Montana is kind of burning and nobody cares or knows about it. And California oh, has wildfires. Um, 2006, no, 2007. I had to remember my last summer in uh, Shadron. Shadron had a wildfire, um, and it threatened the town, and my area was evacuated. And I was in Crete, Nebraska, calling Junior Legion State Tournament Baseball. <laughs> and and uh, fortunately, you know, my domicile, my residence at the time, uh, you know, was okay. But rumor has it. A legend, perhaps now ten years later, that the only thing that saved the town was that somebody had the brilliant idea to turn on the sprinklers uh, at Shadron State College's practice field, and that held off the fire. But Shadron State Park up there, uh, you know, dr- driving through it later that week, and, and you can still feel the heat. That was that was a serious thing. Um, smoke, pl- plenty of smoke up there. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we joke about the state burning. The state has burned, um, you know, at times. Not, you know, not like last week uh, when we, you know, uh, mentioned uh, Sherman's march to the sea. Um, but, you know, it, it's, you know, it, we, we, we Husker fandom has been a bit scorched earth, I guess we could say. We might need to pick up a sponsorship from like a local volunteer fire department for this podcast. I got a buddy of mine who's with the Gretna Volunteer Fire Department. Maybe I'll look into that. Hey, if nothing else, uh, it certainly goes without saying, or at least it should. Uh, we certainly do support our first responders and uh, and appreciate Absolutely. all of their hard work. So, um, uh, and we can say this now because you have a beverage and I have a beverage. Uh, cheers to those first responders who put their lives on the line all the time. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Host? Or dare I even ask? Uh, the Coors Banquet, Nectar of the Gods. So when we had a tie on, and of course we talked about good beer, um, and I, meant, <laughs> I mentioned Schlafly, uh, and so I'm drinking Schlafly Oktoberfest because it's October. Um, so that's 
that's what I've got going on. But yeah, let's. I don't. Oh man, this is this is a tough one because I don't want to relive the Ohio State game. Um, we talked last week, and you had that feeling, you know, that you had before the Michigan State game two years ago, where uh-huh. you know it's a top, not a top ranked, but you know a, a top in the Big Ten, you know, program coming in, and you're like, man, I just got a, a weird feeling like I had back then, and we're like, well, let's hopefully, you know, let's hope that we can, you know, have a repeat outcome. Of course, we remember what happened, uh, and. Questionable call or not, the call on the field stood. Touchdown, Brandon Riley, uh, to help win the game for the Huskers two years ago. There was, there, there was no fireworks. There was no late game theatrics. It was, and, and as you stated before we started, uh, you know, before we started the recording, an ass whooping. It started ugly. It really kind of stayed ugly. It was not. It was not fun to watch. I. I didn't turn it off because, you know, I didn't want to be one of those fans. I'm like, okay, I don't think they're going to score 35 points in the final four minutes of the game. But if they do, I want to see it. And they didn't. And after the game, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was, I don't want to say I was numb to it, but, man, it's, it's, it's not easy to take that loss, but it's not like it's, you know, never happened before. It's, I don't know. It, I'm. What what was your takeaway? Because you were there. Yeah, I got free tickets to the game. Uh, which, went to it with a few friends, and one of them was a Michigan fan, which was hilarious to see the Ohio State fans' reactions. If if you get um, to go to a game like that, it's best that you not pay for it. Yeah, I mean Friday night, I first got the text about free tickets, and at first I was like, no, I'll just I'll watch it at home. <laughs> Then after a while, I started talking myself. Well, you know, I have that weird feeling, and um, you know, you never know. So I was like, "Screw it," you know, I'll go. And uh, yeah, that DiCaprio Boodle, you know, if that when that thing happened, you know, when he stripped the ball away from Paris Campbell, I was kind of looking around like that Bill Riley, Bill O'Reilly gif, gif, mm-hmm. whatever it is, when he's looking around, you know, uh, the it's happening right. one, and you know. I've, some shades of Dijon Gomes against Texas in 09. And, well, that was the closest thing to a weird thing happening. But um, after that first third down for Ohio State, that was when the stadium got loud on that third down. After that, it was, I mean, basically cue up the uh, band playing the funeral procession. What? I'm not saying that Ohio State's not a good program i mean you know a good i don't don't want to say program because i don't want to give them that much credit i'm not saying they're not a good team i mean they've got one loss to oklahoma um of course oklahoma lost to iowa state so i don't know you know i mean that's i don't don't know where to put them in the pantheon of of good teams this year they're good and and you know if they keep playing like that obviously they got penn state this week but if they keep playing like that then yeah they probably are going to end up back in the playoffs but that doesn't you know like I don't like getting run out of my own stadium and again I'm saying this as a guy who lives in Nebraska who didn't go to or lives in Illinois didn't go to Nebraska has never been to Memorial Stadium I'm just the overall feeling we don't want to you know watch our team get run out of, out of our own stadium and it doesn't help when, you know by saying oh well this could be you know a national championship contender that doesn't help because it's still Ohio State 
and we still hate the Buckeyes. Exactly. And anytime, anytime you're in a game like that, you know, you have a conference foe coming in who's highly ranked, you at least want to see, you know, yourself have a chance, even if it's, you know, just hoping against all hope. But Ohio State set out to do what good teams do against a team the caliber of Nebraska, as much as that sucks to say. Um, They played solid in all three phases of the game. JT Barrett was crisp. Their running game was crisp. They didn't punt a single time, which that's a whole other discussion of Urban Meyer going for it on three fourth downs, you know, with the game in hand. But, um, yeah, I mean – the talent disparity notwithstanding, I mean, it's there. It's, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Nebraska just doesn't do the little things well, regardless of talent level. You know, they don't play with good fundamentals. They don't look excited to play. Uh, right after the tunnel walk, I was in south end zone, so I had good view of both sidelines. And after the tunnel walk, I was looking at our sideline trying to get a gauge for, you know, how juiced the guys were if they're going to bring some sauce you know to this one and (laughs) they just um they look like they were going to a funeral i mean they look like hell they look like me walking into my 8 a.m history class you know last semester if you can't and and again records being what they are and expectations and uh you know betting lines and spreads things like that being all what they are and i don't know if you know, Mike Riley uses any of that stuff as the, the quote-unquote bulletin board material, but you shouldn't need it for a primetime game at home against the top 10 team. I don't think you need those types of... If you can't get up for a game like that, National Spotlight, and, and again, I, this is coming... And I, I feel like I, I give too many disclaimers. This is coming from a guy who's never played, you know, athletics at this level. Uh, the athletics that I did play at my level were several, several levels down. Um, but I've been around sports enough to know that you have to I'm, I'm going to use your words this time. It's not my words, but your words. You got to bring the sauce. You got to bring the juice. You have to play with some I, I don't know. Fire. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, some fire. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah. You've got to show up. And credit to, you know, a few of the guys who did. Um, but, yeah, well, yeah, when – and I don't know. I, I don't know if I am took more away from this. I know some of the Husker media saw it. Uh, what is your take? And, and, and I'm jumping around as I tend to do. What was your take on watching Mike Riley on the sidelines? Because it seemed like every time – they showed him, and I don't know. I wasn't there Saturday night. I don't know how cold it was. I was in Champaign a few weeks ago, and it was cold, but I was still jumping up and down and mm-hmm. yelling and screaming, which I know it's a different um, dichotomy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different experience for me than it is for a head coach of a you know Big Ten football um, team. But what was your takeaway from just kind of watching him, hands in the pockets, you know, and, and maybe maybe that was – because this was on Fox, if I remember correctly. Uh, so maybe that was just Fox's way of, oh, let's just show him when he's, you know, not saying anything, not doing anything, just standing there, you know, hanging out, you know, like, I don't know, just, you know, somebody who knows that their their mm-hmm. time perhaps is almost up. 
did you see any more from him than what the the TV cameras were showing, or, or was or were you focusing elsewhere? Well, during the you know during the first half, in kind of looking at our sideline when things weren't going well for us, understatement of the millennium. Um, he all you know he had that disconnected kind of vibe. You know, he's always standing standing away from guys, just arms crossed, and um, you know the sideline demeanor. You juxtapose that with Tom Osborne, and yeah, he was a stoic, steady influence, but you could see that brooding competitor, you know, just that lied just below the surface of that exterior. And, um, you know, he was always, I mean, granted, he was his own offensive coordinator, but he was always talking on the headset, you know, talking to players, other coaches on the sideline as things were going on. But you don't see that a lot with Mike Riley. And I'm not saying that we need George S. Patton on the sideline. I mean, we already had that to a degree with Bo Pelini. But you look at a guy like Urban Meyer, who, as much as I just despise Urban Meyer as a Husker football fan, I got to give him a tip of the hat from a pure coaching standpoint. I mean, up 35, you know, one of his guys commits a false start. He's still jumping the guy, you know, like the game's in doubt. And he's always talking to players, other players on the sidelines, coaching his coaches on the sideline, just as he is coaching his own players. And uh, you just like to see that kind of that demeanor. And I'm not going to go into the whole, you know, some people say, oh, Mike Riley's too nice, you know, all that stuff. But it just you you get that vibe that he's a man that kind of knows, you know, the end of the road in Lincoln is maybe approaching. Do you think that that part of it is, and I, I guess maybe I haven't paid close enough attention over the previous two seasons, um, you know, obviously things went a little bit better last year. Things didn't go particularly great his first year, but much of that was, you know, late losses and, and you know, a, a bad bounce here and there. But do you think that his coaching style is more, hands-off, managerial, don't want to appear like he's micromanaging, so he's going to let Bob Diaco do his thing, he's going to let Danny Langsdorf do his thing, and then he's just mm-hmm. going to kind of sit there, and if things go great, and I, I don't say this disparagingly, but if things go great, you know, he looks better, and if things don't go great, you know, he looks, you know, obviously the, it's still going to fall on him, but he's just kind of more, I don't know, withdrawn? I mean, do you think that's maybe his coaching style? Well, if if I were to just tune in to this year in Nebraska football after not seeing the previous, you know, 2015 and 2016 seasons, I would think that that was his style. But you compare that with the 2015 Mike Riley when, I mean, he got into it, you know, as in the nicest Mike Riley way possible right. with the refs during the Wisconsin game in 15 when they weren't, you know, flagging Wisconsin's DBs for pass interference and he was engaged on the sideline and you know you could tell he was managing a game as a head football coach and then you can see the difference in 16 and 17 that you know and it's one of those things disclaimer you know on this it, it's not fun you know to have these discussions about sure a coach like mike riley because you know what a great human being he is you know it's it's not like Bo when it was just like, man, this guy's a total asshole, you know. But um, I think that withdrawal, that level, that you know, disconnected nature on the sideline, that reflects on the players as well. 
I mean, they always say in coaching and, you know, teaching, uh, kids can tell, you know, when you're not yourself. Sure. That's why they always tell coaches and teachers, just be yourself. Don't try to, don't try to put on some Southern accent and act like you're Bear Bryant calling everyone's son, you know, <laughs> and, you know, back slapping, how's your mama, you know, if that's not you. But, um, you know, that's Mike Riley. That's more in line with how Mike Riley acts on the sideline is more in line with his personality. But I, that disconnected nature is far beyond what a head coach needs to be, in my opinion. Who would you say, and I know the, the obvious answer is, you know, going back to, to the guy who wore the headset for many years and retired after winning a national championship in 1997. But did – were fans pretty well supportive of Frank Solich, would you recall? I mean, because we know that they're split on Riley. We know they were split on Pelini, And we know that nobody liked Callahan. What, I mean, was Frank Solich the last Husker coach that, you know, fans actually liked? I think for the most part, up until that year in 2002, going 7-7, seven and seven, um, you know, I was 12, sure. yeah, 12 years old that year when that happened. But, you know, and I was just getting into Husker football. But, I mean, as anyone, when they get into Husker football at a young age, they research, you know, they read everything they can. I must have read a old media guide I had cover to cover about 17 times, just soaking in that information. But I remember early on with Solich, it was, you know, just complaints about his play calling. They didn't really care about, you know, his demeanor. I remember a lot of people kind of always making a big deal about how monotone he was and how much he loved his verbal pauses of um, ah, uh, and how much he loved to say tremendous and moving around. <laughs> the guys are moving around real well. It's a tremendous week of um, uh, practices. But, um, oh, God, I just did that myself. That's 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 tremendous. <laughs> yeah, tremendous. Uh, yeah, but Solich, I remember – Towards the end there, people started souring on him, you know, in 03. I, I can still recall after that Missouri game in 03 when they beat us in the rain down in Columbia. My grandpa, who worked for a Lincoln construction company, was one of the people who told me, you know, six weeks before Solich was even fired, that Solich wouldn't be back for 04. And that was when I remember realizing that people were, you know, not happy with him. So... And and this this conversation this discussion has been brought up immensely, um, you know. I think really since Riley was announced, but I would say that the heat has been turned up on on this. And I'm not saying on the hot seat, but on the discussion uh, is because of the expectations, or you know, as perhaps unrealistic as they may be, you know, today, but because of the expectations is it uh, are we even giving coaches a fair shot I mean let's say you know we had a second coming of Tom Osborne in 2018 you know uh, all of a sudden we got you know 40 year old Tom Osborne back prime of his coaching and with I'll even go ahead and say with this roster and the top three recruits that we want we'll say that you know bookie micah parsons do do the does the fan base have the patience 
to not turn on him if he doesn't bring a championship, you know, or, or contend for a championship, uh, you know, conference championship will start there in three years. Are we, are we so, I don't know, uh, focused, uh, tunnel visioned, um, you know, uh, no, uh, no pun intended. Um, are, are we so focused on that, that, that we're not willing to give guys, you know, even, even our favorite coach, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think, see, I think as a fan base, if we had, you know, the second coming of Tom Osborne, you know, in 2018, like you were saying, I think that as long as there were, was tangible progression on the field, you know, you could see them getting better and development and football and progress is not always linear. It happens in leaps and bounds, sure. you know. Sometimes you're just the better player across from than your opponent across from you, and sometimes your opponent's better than you, and you know skews what your development looks like. But um, I think that as long as there were tangible results, tangible progress on the field, I think that people would be patient enough to sit back. The big thing is, and I mentioned this in the Slack room today when John was you know talking about you know, looking at what we did in the 1960s, you know, right. to build this program. The big thing for Nebraska going forward is the fan base has to get on the same page with the next hire. There can't be any more infighting of, oh, I'm a Riley guy, you're a bow guy, or you're a throw the ball guy, you're a run the damn ball guy. And I've been guilty of, you know, fomenting those, you know, lines you know sure of demarcation myself but this year it's just really apparent it's like god you know the product on the field is the biggest thing your own personal beliefs of how it should be or how it shouldn't be those are secondary to the product on the field that said when the product on the field isn't a quality product then it's you know it's easier to get everyone on the same page moving forward because they kind of can reset the expectations. I'll even go as far to say, and this sounds counterproductive as a diehard Husker football fan. If for some reason we finished three and nine this year and Riley was fired, I honestly don't think that would be the worst thing in the world for Husker football. It resets the expectations. It kind of makes a collective fan base go, Oh shit, you know, we need to reevaluate what our expectations are for this program, you know, going forward. And uh, that would give you one, we'd be attractive to, you know, coaches who would go, well, they're not just going to fire my ass, you know, if I only win nine games, you know, they're going to give me time to build. But number two, it just gets everyone on the same page. You know, you have a very, very, very well documented, you know, baseline of who you are and the only thing left is to move forward you know it sucks to even entertain the thought of going three and nine i mean that records you can't ugh, just i would <laughs> makes me sick to my stomach i i would say that to a point i agree with you um you know if if you know i pulled up the schedule for the rest of uh, the season and we'll get to that here in a minute uh, because we are going to enjoy a bye week uh, this week and and I think it's man it's at the right time 
Um, but but we'll get to the schedule here in, in just a few moments. But if three and nine was our, you know, like you said, you know, could be could be a, a silver lining because it could unite the fan base. But man, that is going to be one very angry fan base, and that is going to be torches and pitchforks, uh, you know, parading, you know, mm-hmm. through the streets of Lincoln, and that would, I. Um, how do I put this? As 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 you said, it would unite the fan base because hey, they're all going to have a common goal. Now it doesn't matter if you like the guy or not. We only won three games, and we lost to uh, you know Northwestern, Purdue, Iowa again, uh, Minnesota, Penn State, which uh, you know is going to. Well, I guess we'll, we'll cross that bridge in a minute. You are going to have fans that. Uh, <sighs> How do I put this delicately? Somebody might actually die. Like, somebody might kill somebody else. It's going to be a nuclear winter in Nebraska. I mean, that's going to be the longest, pardon my French, but longest fucking winter ever. We will. And then and, and, spring ball roll around. People get excited. Uh, you know, temper expectations, of course. And then the inevitable will come. That you're sitting there. And this happens to me quite a bit. Where... You end the season, you know, in a disappointment. Spring ball, you're kind of in, you know, you're kind of acting like you're from the state of Missouri. You're in a show me, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, mindset. Right. And then you're sitting around in June or July drinking some beers with your buddies. Maybe you're at a Fourth of July party and you're talking Husker football. And you start convincing yourself that every guy on the roster is an like all American. You start drinking the Kool-Aid. It always hits around the 4th of July. Hastings, Hastings becomes very popular, it. you know. What was that? Hastings becomes very popular in the 4th of July. Is that what you're saying? A little Kool-Aid yeah. action? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, I don't want to go 3-9 and nine no. under any, any circumstance. But I was just kind of thinking about today. It's like if we're ever going to get back to where we are, we need to be patient enough to allow a foundation to be poured, you know, and set. And then, I mean, going three and nine is a radical way of that happening. But with this fan base, I mean, it might take a radical full measure. Who knows? So at the beginning of the season, you know, we thought, who were the teams that we would, you know, what would what would our record be at the end of the year? And ten and two was kind of popular, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and then, you know, obviously everything. Not really any nobody. I th- I think saw us going eleven and one, um, and nobody saw us going undefeated. I don't think. I may have I may have talked myself into that one of those nights over the summer drinking beer with some friends. You know, <laughs> you you were you were planning you were planning the celebration with the banquet. That's all you were doing. Uh, yeah, I was I was trying to figure out a way if I you know marshaled my student loan refund money together if I could afford to be in New Orleans for the college football playoff in the Sugar Bowl, you know. Uh, so, as I look at, I mean, if you look at the remaining schedule, and, and now we're going to talk about it, and and we're going to talk more about Riley here in in a few moments, um, but obviously the bye week you need you needed it right mm-hmm. now I think for. Uh, you know, hit the reset button for the players. Uh, the fans are, are going to be, you know, it, 
it gives no, them. I think the fans need a reset. I think we need a f- reset button ourselves for the first time in my life. I'm, I was actually a little excited for a bye week. And I, I'm not disagreeing, uh, you know, in in earnest. I, I'm, I'm, I, I agree to a point, but I think the players, uh, you know, need need to just sit back and, I don't know, take, I don't want to say, you know, they don't take a week off, obviously, but not have to worry about getting banged up, beat up, um, and then coming up at the end of the month on uh, October 28th, uh, next week, obviously, Purdue, and then you have Northwestern, and uh, you go to Purdue, Northwestern at home, and then you're back on the road for two at Minnesota, at Penn State, and then home on uh, the day after Thanksgiving uh, against Iowa. And, and by the way, I hope uh, that our new AD will reconsider that day after Thanksgiving game and, and maybe bring it back um, just because I like something to do day after Thanksgiving because I'm not going shopping. Um, it's my favorite day of the year, Black Friday, not for the shopping. Not for the- I, I just love Thanksgiving and uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Thanks, the week of Thanksgiving, best week of the year. I uh, in in unrelated, but I'm in a job now where I get Thanksgiving off and the day after off and Saturday off and Sunday off. Oh uh, man! So I get and I've never had that because you know when I worked in radio uh, for the longest time, I either didn't get a choice or uh, you know I'd get Thanksgiving off or I'd say you know they'd say okay well you can work either Friday or Saturday you'll get Thanksgiving and in, and an additional day off which. Again, they didn't have to do, but it was nice that they did. So I always worked Saturday, which a lot of people say, why would you do that? Well, it's because there's Husker football on Friday. Um, at the dealership, you know, when, when you're on the sales floor, anybody in sales knows you ain't making money if you ain't on the sales floor. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked Friday and Saturday there. Now I'm in a little bit different situation. And uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Looking forward to it. Um, I say, and I don't think this is unreasonable, I don't think that it can't be achieved, but I'm going to say 4-1 and the rest of the way. I think going to State College, going to Happy Valley, and dealing with Penn State is going to be tough because they might be playing for the playoffs at that point. Um, If they stumble between now and then, you know, that might be different. Uh, You know, injuries, you know, it's college football, anything happens. But I'm going to say 4-1, and and if it's 4-1, and even though you've lost – in the ways that you've lost to Wisconsin and Ohio State and not knowing what Penn State looks like, does that make you feel any better, or are you still pissed off because of the big the, the big ass-whoopings that we've received at home? You know, finishing 4-1 and one would be a hell of a, you know, way to end the season. Would, wouldn't it be that progress that you were talking about, though? It would be, uh, because right now a lot – has to be reconciled to get to where we're at right now to the point of finishing four and one. Um, I think the taste, you know, trying to wash the taste out of our mouths of Wisconsin, Ohio state, I think even finishing four and one, I don't think people are apt to, you know, forget about it in the rush of, you know, ending the season on a tear, uh, which that, you know, that'll require some, you know, coaching changes to kind of, you know, Get, see some progress, you know, maybe some better development, appease the masses. But for me right now, four and one, I'm. it's not in my nature to be pessimistic as a Nebraska fan. I just don't see it personally. 
as we look at those, I mean, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. I'm also not saying it couldn't happen. Um, oh, no. You know, none of those teams, with the uh, exception of Penn State, have been blowing the doors off the barn this year. Um, they've all been beatable. I think of the rest of them, Purdue might be playing the best football. Um, and who would have thought that a year ago, you know? Exactly. Uh, Purdue Purdue and Penn State are the two that I feel the worst about. Um, I think Purdue coming off, you know, close loss. You know, they had a close loss against Wisconsin last week. They played Michigan tough back in September. Uh, I really like what Jeff Brom has done at Purdue. You know, they just – they're playing with some attitude and, you know, even though they're not the most talented team out there. And I don't feel like we match up well schematically with Purdue either, but um, then Penn state, that's just a whole, yeah, that's a whole nother stratosphere. I will say this uh, though, listening to St. Louis radio, you know, sports talk radio mm-hmm. and how, you know, Purdue went into Columbia and whooped Missouri, like the week, mm-hmm. second week of the season, there was great wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I just sit there in my little delivery truck, and I just laugh. And I'll be like, yeah, SEC, huh? Greatest conference in the country, huh? No, maybe the best team. And then a bunch of teams who would get their asses whooped by Penn State and Ohio State. Exactly. Just like the Big Ten. (laughs) Not to mention, I have to, you know, as a native Eastern Nebraskan, and even as a, you know, Chiefs fan, I have to take my digs at uh, the state of Missouri when I can. And, uh. Columbia, Missouri, man, that place look, makes Lincoln look like Hollywood. Oh, I, I stopped in Columbia on my way driving to Florida a couple years ago, and I mean, talk about a bunch of porn shops and army surplus stores, <laughs> as far as the eye can see. That uh, that's pretty much, it. and I've driven, you know, living in Nebraska and you know driving home to Illinois or vice versa. Yeah, you drive Interstate 70 across, and it is, uh, you know, porn stores. And then billboards to say repent, right, right next to them, you know, or, or yeah, know, need Jesus or, and believe me, I need Jesus, um, you know, but, but it's just funny. It's like, okay, well, that's that's the building that can't be moved, and that's the sign right above it, you know. It's just, it's it, Missouri's just a funny state like that, and uh, you know, I've, I've worked there, I've lived there, uh, I've driven through there. It's uh, it, it's its own beast. Um, and, and we're not going to talk about the Chiefs. I know you don't want to. Um, oh God! We're, we, you know, they, yeah, we're just going to move on because we probably have talk other, about a rough week. Yeah. Um. And I, I made that comment uh, on Twitter before the Steelers Chiefs game. I said, you know, I after after last night, I could really use a win, and got a response from a a, a Chiefs fan uh, who I actually met in Champaign uh, at at the Husker game, and you know. Husker fan as well, and, and she said, you know, I, I'm a Chiefs fan, and, and I could use the win too. And it was one of those mutual, I'm not going to bash you, you're not going to bash yeah. me, because we're both Husker fans, we got that in common. Um, but after the Steelers uh, scored first on a just a bad, you know, uh, hike from, from, from the shotgun, it just sa- sailed into the end zone for a safety, I almost, I almost tweeted, always remember kids, safety first. But I, I didn't. Because on on the following safety punt, uh, nobody on the Steelers' side decided to to uh, catch it, and it was a live ball, and the Chiefs picked it up and and eventually got a field goal out of it. So I'm like, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the second that 
going into the Chiefs Steelers game, I was thinking Pittsburgh's just not a good matchup for Kansas City. And uh, after that safety and having six yards of total offense at halftime, that was never more evident. And then by the end of the game, I was sitting there, and you know, I think Tony Romo made a comment about you know how it's a preview of the AFC title game. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was just like, if Kansas City gets paired up with Pittsburgh in the AFC title game. It's not happening for Kansas City. That is, bar, I don't know what it is, but Pittsburgh's content just to get in the shotgun, pull a guard, block down, pull a guard around, let Le'Veon Bell pick a hole after 10 minutes of choosing, you know. <laughs> and, oh, God, it just reminded me of that AFC divisional game last year. And, and I mean, and I don't hate the Steelers, but, man, it's just like, God, I just want to see Kansas City get over on these guys. And then to lose to Oakland. And I, I don't hate the Chiefs, but it was funny because, uh, you know, same 101 ESPN in St. Louis, they were talking about, oh, I don't know how the Jaguars can go into St. Louis and or and, uh, go into Pittsburgh and hand it to the Steelers and then lose at home by 10 to the Rams. And I'm like, it's because Ben threw five interceptions two weeks ago. Figure mm-hmm. it out. It's not difficult. It's not that the defense gave it up. It's, you know, Leonard Fournette had one big run and Ben threw two pick sixes. I remember tweeting specifically. I said, oh, great. When did Ben start taking quarterback lessons from Tanner Lee? That was my exact tweet. Um, I remember that tweet. I wasn't proud of it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, you know, it's like that That's that was the game. The, the Steelers' offense gave more points to the Jaguars than the defense, and suddenly we've become an NFL podcast, which is not our forte. Um, yep. But we had some – Sorry, you know, We had some th- – we had – some issues we needed to get off our chest. Um, best case scenario, I say four and one the rest of the season. You are not a pessimist by nature, but you don't see it happening. If you had to guess right now, are you saying three and two? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with three and two. And I think the one, the, I'm going to go with a blatant homer pick right here. We're not going to fucking lose to Iowa. No, we're not. I just, that's, you know. Whether, you know, that's rooted in reality, you know, which that's to be determined <laughs> or not, I just cannot take a third year in a row. I can't do it. Stand in line at the grocery store, stand in line at a gas station, going to grab a beer and a bite tea at Oscars in West Omaha. You, you run into them everywhere. And I'm usually wearing a Husker hat, you know, probably a good 350 days out of the year. And, I mean, the second they see you, they've got a comment. They just don't know when to shut up. You know, even in the years that we beat them, like 11 and 12 and 14, they still didn't shut up. So, And so I can't stomach another year losing to those punks. If Okay, I'm going to throw a ridiculous scenario out there because I know Tweety over at, you know, our, our good friends uh, at the Big Red Cobcast, he doesn't see Iowa as a rival. Most, I think, most of Nebraska fans probably have accepted them as the rival. Them, Wisconsin, maybe even Northwestern. Um, I wouldn't really throw too many other options out there. Uh, the fact is, it's a, a game on a on a marquee day. It is the day after Thanksgiving, at least for the time being. There is a, a trophy that nobody cares about uh, to be played for. But the fact is, if 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 you look at the schedule every year and that's the team that you say, I absolutely positively don't want to see us lose to them, that's a rival. Oh, um, yeah. So 
if if Riley, I don't say Riley, like he's out there playing. If the Huskers, you know, maybe do a three and two, but they, you know, beat they. I was getting a ridiculous phrase was about to spew forth. They overcome the odds against Purdue. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but you know, they be, not wrong. Yeah, they they beat Purdue, Northwestern, and Minnesota, but they lose to Penn State and Iowa. Could you see Riley being dismissed for three years of not beating what perhaps the university and I think the university has to consider them a rival because they have you know the the vested interest in the uh, Ivy Heroes Trophy? <laughs> Could you? I mean, for not beating a rival, I mean, coaches have been let go for less. You know, three years of losing to your quote unquote rival mm-hmm. would is and I again I don't see it happening, but is it? If if they lose to Penn State and lose to Iowa, regardless of the other three games, does Riley get let go because he can't beat Iowa? I think that five and seven. I think anything less than seven and five, Riley's done. Because uh, and right, wrong, or indifferent, fair or unfair, I think the Iowa thing because. We, I, I mean, I'll be honest, and this is another, you know, con, you know, not consequence, but, well, yeah, it is a consequence because stems forth of growing up in eastern Nebraska. You view Iowa as below you, you know, not only as a program but as a state, and uh, <laughs> Which, you know, it's fair. unacceptable because we look at it and it's like, yeah, we got the, you know, we got talent, we got more talent than Iowa. Yeah, they're more developed, they have their culture, but at the end of the day, it's unacceptable to lose to Iowa just flat out unacceptable and uh i think that finishing three and two that would put us at you know six and six i think riley would be done i think he's done at five and anywhere from three and nine to six and six i think you know the die has been cast at that point i i've got to get this anecdote off i don't remember if i ever uh talked about it last year um but we did christmas with my family on New Year's because my wife had to work Christmas uh, day, night, she, not working night shift, so she worked the night of the 25th, needed sleep that day. Uh, so we did Christmas at my mom and dad's house on New Year's Day. Um, apparently, you know, like and my son got up from his nap and he's there. My sister, his aunt, takes him. They disappear for a few minutes. And I'm like, what the hell happened to my son? Where's my boy? You know, because my wife was laying down because she needed a nap it was her nap time um don't tell her i said that um all of a sudden he's no longer wearing his mickey mouse santa shirt uh but he is wearing an mvp iowa shirt that my sister put on him that was sent from my aunt and uncle so uh without divulging too much information uh i have an aunt and uncle who live in iowa my uncle is the chief of police among other great things that he does for the community. And I love them. They're great people, uh, but they do root for Iowa. So Major obviously, character flaw. Yeah, so we're, we get a little contentious around Thanksgiving. Uh, so I, I see my boy, you know, and he's just over a year old, and he's in this Iowa shirt. And I said, no, that has to go now. And I start taking it off, and, you, take, you know, he's got his Santa shirt on underneath it, you know. And he doesn't know what the hell's going on because he's a year old. He's like, I'm, I'm in the shirt. I'm not in the shirt. What the hell's going on? 
And my sister gets all like like really emotional and she's like, You're lucky I'm I can even be here today. I'm like, I don't understand why. It's Christmas, it's New Year's. Apparently like a neighbor of hers or theirs, they had a funeral for him that day, so my fandom caused the kerfuffle at the Mahachko family gathering. Uh, who'd have thought, right? Um, so anyway, that's my anti-Iowa anecdote. Uh, the lesson has been learned. They know not to put anything Iowa on my son or somebody's going to end up crying. That's just how it is. Um, so we're not going to lose to Iowa. We're not going to lose to Minnesota, Purdue, or Northwestern. And I'm not going to say we're not going to lose to Penn State, but I like the progression that I'm going to see from the Huskers in the three weeks leading up to the trip to uh, Happy Valley. How, how's that sound, Hoss? Is that, does that make you happy? It does. You know, and I was just thinking that, you know, at some point every season you get to a turning point and it goes from what you were hoping for to what you actually are. You know, there the preseason hype melts away, which it melted away in the fourth quarter against Arkansas State, if we're being honest here. But, um, you know, if – totally lost my train of thought there. Wow. I almost let out a big um, like Frank Solich, so glad I caught myself before doing that. But once you realize at that point where there's no expectations left, you're just free to go out there and play football. You know, I, you don't want to be in this situation, but you just make the best of it and you go and – Play however you can, you know, play footloose and fancy free to borrow a ex- favorite expression of my dad's and uh, just see what happens, you know, and maybe we start playing some young guys, you know, like Damon Benning was saying on Sharp and Benning, we're not winning with you, you know, meaning the older, more established starters. Sure. What's to stop me from just going out there and, you know, maybe losing with a new guy, but maybe winning with a new guy. And uh, I, I do want to correct the math uh, I think I, I said at one point eight and four uh, eight and four is only achievable if we went out um, mm-hmm. so uh, listeners at home in your car at work wherever you may be uh, no I, I, I'm not saying it can't happen I'm, I'm thinking seven to five is a little bit more likely uh, so that let, let me clear that up but uh, other than that uh, give me give me just a couple positives that you've taken away from the season up to this point. I mean, they are seven games in, a lot of football left to be played, but but m- more than half of the season is behind them now. Give me some positives because I, I've, I've liked the – here we go again with the word progression. I've liked the improvement of Tanner Lee. I think he's settled down a little bit, got a bit more comfortable. Uh, I like what I've seen from Divino Zigbo um, when they give him the ball and, and when he has – you know, some blocking in front of him. It was just tough sledding uh, against Ohio State, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, you know, I've liked uh, some of the play that I've seen from some of the defense. Wh- what are some of your positive takeaways? Because this is kind of an awfully depressing episode so far. Yeah, let's uh, let's spice this up a little bit. You know, let's 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 get some people happy. Um, one, J.D. Spielman is a baller. Yes. I mean, his 11 catches, 200 yards, and uh, 
dude just all you know he's leading i think he's leading the big 10 and third down and fourth down catches which that's just the definition of clutch and further kind of lends credence to my comparison of uh him to julian edelman from new england and and uh set a a single game or a receiving yards record i I believe this past week yep broke matt davison's record which is weird because i could have sworn that maurice purify broke davison's record back in 07 against like ku or colorado that year with like 190 yards i mean i would have bet the farm that maurice purify had broken that record but evidently i was wrong or the university's just scrubbing you know all vestiges of the Callahan <laughs> era away. But uh, Tanner I, Lee, as you were saying, the progression, he he's starting to look like an NFL quarterback. Uh, the drops are killing him, the drops from yes. our receivers. And, but he's placing the ball where it needs to be, even on completion, in completions. Uh, he's anticipating where the rush is going to be coming from, where the void in coverage is. He is far from our problem. I mean, he's playing really well. Pass protection was is steadily improving. It was a little leaky against Ohio State, but that's what happens when you know you go just five man, you know, scat protections to, you know, get a back out on a pass pattern, and that Ohio State D line's full of a bunch of dudes, and then, you know, Divino Zigbo of course, and uh, Ben Still is going to be a really good player eventually. He's he's a guy that. You can see that the development, the potential for development is there to him being like one of those Wisconsin outside linebackers. And, um, I mean, that's that's really it. You know, I'm not impressed with our tight ends at all in the receiving game or in the blocking game, you know, when they're blocking the edge on our inside run plays. Um, Stan, for as many, you know, he makes a good play and then he loses focus the next. And so... I mean, they're. I don't want to. I don't want to jump forward too far into worst case scenario, even though I think that's already happened on this podcast. But if <laughs> Riley were to, you know, the Riley era were to end after this year, I think that while the talent level isn't what it needs to be for Nebraska's success, I think there's a solid nucleus of players that a new staff could work with, or that Riley going forward in retooling his staff could work with. Oh, and I'd be definitely remiss not to mention Brendan Hymas, his performance against Ohio State. I mean, as a true freshman, he didn't allow a single sack going up against that D-line. He's going to be a really, really good player here by the time, you know, he's an upperclassman. Let's talk one more uh, hypothetical. Again, we've talked about this, you and I, on the show. I don't want to see the Riley era end. But at the same time, I do want to see improvement. Um, mm-hmm. But if the improvement does not happen and if our new athletic director, Bill Moose, uh, decides to, you know, dismiss, terminate future endeavor, you know, which at, at Riley's age, and I'm not making a crack about Riley's age, but he doesn't have, you know, this is his end job, you know, so he doesn't yeah, have many. long in the tooth at this point. Right. Uh, doesn't have any endeavors in his future um i guess that that sounds really morbid but you understand where i'm trying to go yeah um do they retain bob diaco would the i mean obviously that's probably a new coach new you know new head coach decision but i can't see i mean it, it, not that it doesn't happen not that it's never happened but 
I think it'd be pretty tough to ask some of these kid, you know, kids to look at, you know, bring in a third defensive coordinator. You can you can get away with it, I think, and, and some of your more just base position coaches. But I think when you talk about schematics and and the whole the grand scheme of things, which really redundant there, um, I think you almost have to retain Diaco. And I'm not hating, which is tough to say after the numbers that Ohio State and Wisconsin put up, I'm not hating what I've seen from the defense. So I would say I would, you know, if Riley was not the head coach, I would hope that Diaco was retained as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, I would, you know, especially when you look at it from the standpoint that if a new staff came in and Diaco was not retained, that you'd be looking at some of these guys being on their fourth defensive coordinator in their careers. And, uh, you know, I think I have issue with Diaco not adjusting against Ohio State. He was content just to sit back. After a while, the dam's already broke. You know, just just go out, you know, start tinkering. Sure. You know, make some adjustments. I, you know, it's easier said than done when you have a plan in place all week in practice for your game plan. But, um, you know, you, the right – a candidate might see, you know, Diaco's body of work from Notre Dame, you know, and even at UConn where he had good defenses and go, you know, that's one less thing to have to worry about if you retain Diaco. You don't have to worry about teaching a whole new defensive scheme. Right. So I could see, you know, someone, you know, whoever that might be, <laughs> Gary Patterson, um, <laughs> to, uh, you know, make a case for retaining Diaco. Well, that will uh, do it for – uh, this bye week uh, edition of the Five Heart Podcast and uh, Haas as I say this and I'm going to edit all this out but it's a few minutes after 10 o'clock I finally got a response back from the guy from Go Cougs he was driving to Pullman for the game and he was over the mountains for five hours wants to know if I can record in the morning I'm like that ain't happening bro uh, <laughs> you know I'm going to have my son with me and this will publish it seven or eight o'clock um so we're gonna record two endings uh one being the you know normal ending and then one will be like setting it up like jeff is going to be joining us and then if he joins me then i'll use that one and if not then we'll we'll do that so um blah 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 let's do the normal one first okay um well that'll do it for another episode of the Five Heart Podcast, thanks as always to Haas Reuter for bringing his uh, expertise and opinion. I like them both, and, uh, and always a good chat with uh, my buddy Haas and, and his Coors Banquets. Uh, how many did you go through in the in the podcast, Haas? I'm just finishing up that second one. All right. Well, I, I cracked uh, popped the top on on my second Schlafly Oktoberfest uh, a few minutes ago, probably when you were saying something about uh, you know. The Huskers are going three and nine, and how that may not be the worst thing to ever happen to Nebraska football uh, long term. <sighs> Just make the sign of the cross right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. It's, <laughs> it's not. See that, that like this, you know, over the course of this podcast, and kind of like, you know, it's I, I hate being in such a you know kind of pessimistic view of Nebraska football. I'm sure as it's Friday night next week against Purdue, I'll. Uh, start rounding into form as I usually do. Hell, I mean, after every game, you know, 
we can win a game and the next day I'm like, well, that next opponent's really tough. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm starting to think worst case scenario, no matter who we're playing. That's and then good. about Thursday, as I'm getting done with my day in class, you know, go lift weights and come home to settle in, watch, you know, Thursday night football. I start rounding, coming out of the woods going, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to roll on Saturday. We don't have to worry about rolling uh, this weekend. The bye week is upon us, mercifully, I believe, because I, I checked the record books. Uh, Nebraska, uh, a stat that many people uh, may not know, Nebraska undefeated against the bye week. We have never lost to the bye week, and uh, I think that that streak is going to keep alive uh, this weekend. So, um, Haas, thanks again for joining me and uh, on the Five Heart Podcast. I'm Greg Mahochko. You can find me on Twitter at thehooch 36 Find uh, the show on Twitter. We need more Twitter followers and more Twitter interaction. Uh, and it is at the number five and then heart podcast all spelled out. Of course, at coronation. Uh, the five heart podcast is also on Facebook and, uh, and you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher or coronation.com, jitterymonkey.com. Uh, Haas is at Haas Reuter, R-E-U-T-E-R, no space, right? I believe so. Yep. And yep. Uh, and so we've done all the the plugs we need to plug. Um, all things have been plugged. That just sounds dirty, but it's a Friday night. Um, so uh, he is Haas Reuter. I'm Greg Mahochko, reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.